to a special edition of the Darden Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I decided to share a recent conversation between Senior Assistant Dean of Admissions, Donna Clark, and Dean of the Darden School of Business, Scott Beardsley, all about why it's never been a better time to be at Darden. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is a conversation between Senior Assistant Dean of Admissions, Donna Clark, and Dean Scott Beardsley. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for this webinar with Darden's Dean Scott Beardsley. My name is Donna Clark. I'm a Senior Associate Dean for Admissions, and we are thrilled to have you today. While we're giving everybody a few moments to log in, see if you can put in the chat where you're logging in from around the world, what round you're applying in. Uh, we'd love to see uh, from Mumbai. Thanks for staying up so late. Houston, Richmond, DC. Azerbaijan. Awesome. I know. Love it. We have 75 countries represented in today's webinar and we're so appreciative. I know many of you are staying up late. Also put in the chat, what round you're applying in? Did you apply in early action? Are you applying in round two? Um, so we have a sense of where you are in the process. Great, lots of round one awesome. candidates. Well, welcome everyone. I'm gonna start out with a brief introduction of our Dean. There is a more expanded introduction in the chat, Scott. But since 2005, Scott Beardsley has served as the ninth dean at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business and is a Charles C. Abbott Professor of Business Administration. He is a passionate educator. He teaches graduate courses at Darden in strategy, leadership, global business, and general management. We're so fortunate to have a dean who is such a stellar dean and also teaches in the classroom. Before his deanship, Scott spent 26 years at McKinsey and Company, serving most recently as senior partner and an elected member of McKinsey's global board of directors. His transition to higher education followed his passion for helping students and academic communities achieve their full potential. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Donna. Great to be here. Uh, welcome everybody from all around the world and all over the US. Uh, I was trying to figure out which of the cities you guys are logging in from that I've not been to. I've been to most of them, but not all. Uh, but great to see the global community come together. And, uh, you know, I believe business is global. And so we're, we're happy to have you dialing in from all over the world. Uh, thank you for doing that. I'm going to make a, just a couple of remarks, and then we're going to dive right into uh, Q&A and uh, see what's on your mind. Donna will ask a few questions. And and I hope you will too. Uh, basically, um, since I've been here starting 2015, uh, it's been a wonderful journey and I've really enjoyed being the Dean at Darden. It's been an amazing experience, primarily because of the amazing people here. The faculty, the staff, and the students are, are wonderful. And, you know, it's, it's been a, a, great, a, a great journey. Um, I will say that the school has a lot of uh, positive momentum that's uh, taking place right now. Very exciting time to be at Darden and also in Charlottesville and in uh, Washington, D.C., where we also have uh, our campus as well. Um, the school has never been stronger, no matter what dimension you want to look at. We have made great progress on so many different dimensions. So it's a great time uh, to go to school at Darden and to become your best self to achieve your full potential. 
in each of the different formats that we have. And we can, I know there's people from different formats. We love them all equally. We don't have a favorite. I love all the formats. I love all of our students. Um, but there's, there's a lot of excitement on grounds, as we say here. We don't say on campus, we say on grounds. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a great time uh, to be in business. It's a great time to make a difference. And you know what we're, what we're all about is becoming res- creating responsible leaders that are going to make the world a better place in the way that you want to make it special uh, and a better place. And so that's, um, that's a few opening thoughts for, for, from my point of view, and, and we'll dive into some Q&A, but you know, welcome everybody from all over the world. Great to be here. Great. Thanks so much, Scott, for those opening remarks. And I'm going to just dive right in with some questions. We will definitely want to hear from you too and what's on your mind and what you'd like to ask Dean Beardsley. I wanted to start out, Scott, with your own um, educational experiences. I've heard you talk very passionately mm-hmm. in the past about your own educational experiences, how they've been formative to you and Dean um, as, as the Dean of Jardin and um, want to compliment you on all you've done for scholarships at Jordan too, but um, how, how have your own educational experiences been formative to you? You know, uh, without education, I certainly wouldn't be here today. I, I'm very blessed to have had a good education, and I believe education is what can take someone from anywhere to anywhere, and I, I feel like I'm just another example of that. You know, I was born in a small town in rural Maine, uh, and then I ended up growing up in Alaska, and I never thought I would have the world experiences that I ended up having, but it was thanks to education and some institutions that gave me a chance. Undergrad, I was an engineer. Uh, I became an engineer because I had a scholarship and I needed a scholarship. And so the only scholarship I had was for engineering. So I became an engineer, even though I wanted to be a liberal arts major. Um, then I ended up going to MIT for my MBA and then later my doctorate at, at UPenn. And I've done some uh, recent research at Oxford in the area of ethics. Um, So education has totally changed my life. And I can always think back uh, on my life to those professors or those teachers that believed in me and taught me something that I didn't know. And there were a lot of things I didn't know. There's still a lot of things I don't know. I'm a lifelong learner. But education changed my life. And the one thing I would would like you all to know um, is that there's no better investment you can make in your life than in yourself and in your own education. There'll be plenty of institutions that will say, ah, maybe now is not a good time. You know, the job market is hot. You should stay here and so on. My advice to you is to beware of anybody who tells you that you should not invest in yourself. And education is the main vehicle for your personal option value creation and giving yourself the maximum number of options in life, you know, most people are going to work until they're 70 or more, just if you can stay healthy. And so you want to invest in something that you can take with you for the rest of your life. And I believe that what we do is that ultimate investment. And I'm so glad that I made the investments I did, even though I had to borrow a lot of money uh, to go to school. Um, I was scared about borrowing that money. But we think interest rates are high now. I remember my student loans were at about 12 or 13% when I graduated from MIT. Um, but I would do it all over again. It was the best investment I ever made was to go to school. 
Great. Thank you so much, Scott. And I love what you've said on repeated occasions about um, education. It can take anybody from anywhere to anywhere and appreciate all that you've done. And I want our prospective students to know the tremendous momentum around scholarships um, for our admitted students under Dean Beardsley's leadership. Um, can you tell the audience a little bit about your former role at McKinsey and its relevance to you as Dean at Darden? Yeah. Uh, well, after business school, I started a new career in consulting. I, When I arrived at business school, I didn't even know what consulting was. I didn't know it was a thing, and I had never even heard of a company called McKinsey. Uh, so it was a serendipitous career. I didn't, I didn't plan it starting at the age of 16 or anything like that. I didn't even know what it was. Uh, but I, I had the good fortune to, to join McKinsey in the New York office right out of business school. And then after two years, moved to Belgium where I did 24 years. I had a wide variety of roles there uh, from leading the strategy practice to being on the global board of directors and to leading all of the learning and leadership development uh, for all the capability building of the people worldwide. My client work took me all over the world. I worked in over 40 countries because I was the expert at telecom, especially in emerging markets, how to get ready for telecom competition. And I was also the expert on the internet and broadband communications and all the applications that ride over the internet. So that led me to work in many of the countries that I saw popping up on the chat, you know, all over Africa, uh, all over the Middle East, Asia, South America, um, lots of different amazing countries that I had a great experience working in. And I would say that if I reflect on the career, I have used all of those skills that I built at, at McKinsey, whether it's problem solving, but especially developing other people, whether they were on my team or through the uh, leadership programs that we did, I've applied them at Darden uh, because higher education is also something where you have to be excellent at. You have to hire great faculty. You have to provide uh, scholarships for students. Uh, you have to make a business model that works. Uh, you have to be excellent in research, many different things you've got to be uh, excelling at. And I've, I've used all of those different skills. Also, familiarity with the world environment has been very useful uh, in being a dean because we have students that come here from all over the world. Right. We had an advanced question and a question from Harshida about Darden's global outreach. Sticking mm. with that theme and yeah. all of your global experiences, can you talk a little bit about why things like the Darden Worldwide course are important? And yeah. Darden, I know you've done a lot for that program. Yes. Well, you know, thanks to some very generous alumni and, you know, Darden's blessed with alumni that feel that Darden has changed their life. So we've had record amounts of fundraising uh, in the last decade. And one of those gifts was to ensure that every Darden student can have a worldwide immersion course, so at least take one class in another environment. And basically, it's studying business in a different environment. So my last class I taught on fashion and luxury in Italy. We studied places like Ferrari or Pagani race cars, Prada, Gucci, you know, things like that. But those are all businesses. So how did they emerge there? Um, all of you would get a chance to do a worldwide course. Some do more than one, two, three, four. And I think what's really important to know is that business is global. So whether your supply chain or whether it's your customer base, whether it's the talent that you're hiring, you are going to come into contact with other parts of the globe or even your own domestic business, if it's completely focused on a given geography, will be affected 
by geopolitics and by what other countries do in the world. So developing uh, further expertise and awareness of other cultures, how business works around the world is essential for any future leader of any organization of any relevant size. And, you know, at Darden, we put together kind of a global village here that allows you to excel. And part of that is you get to go and study a business in another geography. And they're all over the world. Students get a chance to, my next course is gonna be in Africa in March. Uh, we're studying community-based conservation, things like how to save the rhino. How do you make that work economically? Uh, how does that work as a business if you're running a not-for-profit that's running a game reserve? How do you do that? Um, so those are the kinds of things that we study. And you should know that for, for global students also coming to the United States, I believe that in of itself is a cultural experience. Most people think they, oh, yeah, I know the U.S. I went to New York once uh, or I've been to uh, Grand Canyon or something like that. That's different than living in the United States. And the United States is a very complex society overall. Anyways, growing up in Alaska is very different than living in Charlottesville, for example. Um, so it's a very global place. Our faculty are very global as well. The cases we teach are very global. And we try and infuse into the curriculum uh, also on a day-to-day -day basis, the variations that exist around the world. Thanks so much, Scott. You were named po by Poets and Quants as the Dean of the Year a couple of years ago. And I was wondering if you could tell the audience um, a few examples of accomplishments that you are most proud of during your tenure at Darden. Well, you know, I'm very blessed to work on a on a team of very talented individuals that also include you, Donna. Um, and, you. and I think that any accolade that I would receive is just a testament to the achievement of so many other people. I mean, honestly, the achievement I'm the most proud of is the achievement of the students that come through here every year. You go, you sit at graduation and you say, wow, look, look at what's just happened. It's such a beautiful day. It's such an amazing event to see everybody seeing their full potential taken to a new level. And I, I'm honestly very proud of uh, all the students. I'm also very proud of the success of our faculty and staff and our alumni. Uh, but the faculty have had incredible success with their research, also growing as, as teachers, learning new things, taking on new leadership roles and the staff as well. So, you know, in order to get any kind of an accolade as a school. And when you're the dean, you're just representing the school and you're just one of many people. But really, I'm just proud of so many people uh, stepping up and achieving their full potential. And I think in the context of, of that particular award, it was also coming through COVID. And at that moment in time, this community stepped up in, in ways that were really impressive. Uh, we stayed open throughout COVID, the buildings were open. We served lunch every day. We had as many people in the classroom as we were allowed. You know, we had to have social distancing of six feet, but we kept things going and we, we really came together as a community. And if there was a good place to do COVID, and I, by the way, I hate COVID, um, Charlottesville definitely was one of the better places to be. In addition to all of those examples, under your leadership, I believe it was your idea to give students the option to do a condensed MBA yeah. during COVID. Um, it is one of the most um, 
palpable examples of the Darden community coming together. Can you tell everybody a little bit about Section J and why yeah. you wanted to pivot to Section J during COVID and what it says about the Darden community? Yeah. So what happened was if you, we don't really want to remember COVID, but we should remember because there's lessons learned in there. Um, you know, we had the situation in March to May 2020 when a lot of students, you know, they'd already applied, they were wanting to come to, to school and they couldn't get a visa because embassies were closed around the world or they wanted to take a standardized test and the testing centers were closed or they had someone in their family that got ill and they wanted to uh, come, but they needed to take care of some family obligations, whatever, uh, lots of things. So we said, well, what can we do? And we realized that we had an opportunity to meet people where they were and to start Darden for a section of students in January instead of in August. So we pivoted the whole school and made that possible. We had never done it before. We had to get approval all the way up through the university, all the way to the regulatory uh, approval in Virginia. And we did that. And that allowed, you know, 60 students that otherwise could not have started in August to start and to achieve their dream. And then the, the idea was if you would go to school straight from January through the summer with a, sh with a short internship, like six weeks, six, seven weeks for the summer internship, by the second year, you could catch up and finish Darden at the same time you would have. And that section ended up being very tight, tightly knit. And uh, they got phenomenal job outcomes that were exactly the same uh, job outcomes as the, reg the regular students who had started at at the normal time. And so we just tried to innovate. I mean, basically when world changes and it's not the way you think, and by the way, that's going to happen again and again and again for the next foreseeable future, uh, you have to learn how to innovate and how to pivot. Yeah. And that's what we did. We tried to practice what we preach and the team came together and innovated. And that was, that was a very positive um, example of what you can do if you put your mind to it to meet the students where they were. And there's a lot of phenomenal stories of people that finally made it here after fighting through incredible personal problems and challenges in their home countries and in their families to, to make education happen. And it was, it was worth it because we could see that education really mattered to them. Yeah, and I think it's such a good example. One of the mantras that you repeated in so many public forums is to navigate COVID with kindness and compassion. And it really... Um, that is, those are powerful, powerful values that really played out in this community. Yeah. And I'm so proud of, we had a really great question from Nathaniel. Thank you for your question about how you see um, Darden alumni um, differentiated in terms of their leadership skills, skills like critical thinking. I know you interact with hundreds of Darden alumni. Can you share any observations about the skills that Darden develops that you see play out in our alumni base? Yeah. I mean, first, it's hard to generalize on, you know, tens of thousands of people and say that they're all in a certain way because there's a lot of yeah, good point. diversity and variety among people. But I'll highlight a few, a few points. Uh, first is, of course, Darden alumni are very smart and they're very talented people as they are at other business schools. So I'm not here to say Darden has a monopoly on smart people or talented people. We don't. There's a lot of good people. But what is special about Darden is that we have things like the honor code uh, where exams are self-proctored 
there's an amount of trust that's placed in you that is different than almost all of the top schools. It's really different. And a lot of employers like that because it mirrors the real world. Like you can, you're given all kinds of trust uh, when you're in the business world. People are not monitoring your exams or how you're doing your work when you're at a corporation. And Darden says, let's give a real, let's give a real stimulation of what it's like to be in the world. The second thing is, I think Darden alumni are incredible problem solvers and able to go into different circumstances and have a holistic view of problem solving. That's why we've been rated by the Financial Times as the number one general management school in the world. And that's because I think the case method makes you be the general manager every day and puts you in the position of the decision maker that has to balance considerations that are not always black and white. It's not always the equation solves to X. The problem is that it's in the context of a set of other criteria that may be complicated. Maybe there's ethical considerations, or maybe the rules in one country are different than the rules in another country, and that makes it very complicated. Um, so we explore that complexity. We also have it be active learning. And so our alumni are used to expressing their opinion in front of other people and also working on teams. So it makes Darden alumni great team players with honor, with values, uh, that know how to how to act uh, agile in an agile manner to adapt to a changing world. And you also learn how to learn at Darden. So that's the other thing I've learned is Darden alumni are just really strong at um, learning throughout their life, having different career pivots. And the other thing is they're very passionate about Darden. They, they love the school. They like to be involved. They like to help the next generation come along and they respond. Uh, when asked for help. And so that all just means it's a tight-knit community. I would also just observe uh, that Darden alumni are as successful or more successful than any other institution I've seen proportionally. It's just that Darden alumni tend, <clears throat> tend to be, in my experience, quite humble. So they are more likely to say, let's say they're a billionaire uh, to make sure that nobody knows that they're a billionaire and to be very humble about it. And maybe they still just have one house. Um, whereas some other people might have a bitter, better or more likely proclivity to talk about how successful they are. Darden people tend to be very humble. I, I find that to be the case as well. Sticking with the theme of the educational experience yeah. at Darden, Darden has been ranked for 10 consecutive years as the best educational experience um, for offering the number one teaching faculty yeah. and you're, you're one of them. Can you tell the audience a little bit about um, the amount of time and energy you put into to keeping that <clears throat> reputation, attracting new faculty members, and maybe even the infrastructure to make that happen at Darden. It's something that um, I'm so proud to represent a school that is so well known for offering the best educational experience. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on keeping those values. Yeah, well, you know, Donna, I think when you think about universities, um, what does a university do? Well, they, they teach you how to learn. At universities are all about learning. They're institutions of higher learning. Uh, yes, they're also about getting you a job, but one of the reasons you are getting jobs from companies is because you have a certain set of skills. So we focus on how do we make you better? Uh, how do we give you more information? How do we give you ways to think critically? How do we have, have a great educational experience where you learn actively? 
And so some people look at the case method and say, what is that? I'm used to going to a lecture. All I would say is it's active learning. And it's a discussion-based learning in a safe environment where your classmates, you're also learning from your classmates. So that's another thing that's magical is you've got 70 people in your section and you're learning from them because they're talking. I've been in many, many classes as an engineer, for example, or even in business school. I never heard my classmates speak. That was not a thing. You just took notes. Uh, But then you don't know what they know. So you're not learning from them. So I think the way to think about uh, the Darden education experience is it's active learning, it's experiential learning, it's team-based learning, it's fun, it's energizing, and it's effective. And the way to do that is also by having professors that know how to teach. So we invest uh, in, first of all, hiring faculty that care about your education, and secondly, making sure that they know how to teach at the highest level. And the only analogy I can draw is that at McKinsey, client service, you know, putting the client first and doing absolutely incredible client service that really made a difference was the absolutely most essential focus of the firm. At Darden, the faculty really, really care about teaching at the highest level to be the best teachers in the world and to care about each and every student and to have that relationship. Um, I think that's magic. And I would ask each of you to consider, look at your life and ask yourself, was there somebody who taught you a great teacher you ever had? Now imagine having that in almost every class you teach. How does that feel? How does that make you develop? And that's why, yeah, a lot of people focus on how many ever points are ranking this or ranking that. But I think one of the most important things you could ever look at is what kind of faculty are you going to learn from and how, how good is the educational experience? How much better am I going to be? as a result? How much am I going to grow? And that's that's where Darden places a lot of its emphasis. And we have amazing faculty. I've hired 50 new faculty since I've been here, and we've maintained our number one MBA professor ranking um, throughout. And that's because we invest so heavily in each and every one of them when they come. And we care so much about your learning. Sticking with the theme of teaching, can you tell the audience a little bit about the courses that you teach? And I'd also love to hear your thoughts. One of the things I've heard you say on many occasions is your passion for helping people reach their full potential. Um, Can you talk about the classes you teach and that the, the passion you have for helping people reach their full potential? Yeah, I mean, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is I believe in the power of education to change people's lives and to make to give people a chance to achieve their full potential. That's what I think is, is very meaningful in life. And my own classes, my teaching load as the dean is supposed to be zero, so I'm not expected to teach at all. But I choose to teach actually six classes, uh, which is more than usual uh, and way above zero, of course. Uh, the classes that I teach, I teach two sections of a strategy master class. It's basically called Secrets of Strategy Consulting. Um, I also teach a class called CEO Leadership in the 21st Century, where we explore with real CEOs what are situations CEOs face, how do you become an effective CEO. I teach a class right now on the lawn in the UNESCO World Heritage Site, where I have the privilege to live uh, in the original Jeffersonian classroom. I teach a class called Maximizing Leadership Potential in, in, the, in Sports and Business, and that class is basically looking at how do you get, if you look at businesses, 
or if you look at sports, what are the frameworks that you can learn to develop someone to their maximum leadership potential? We examine commonalities and differences. And then the final paper is about how are you going to get the most out of your life? Um, and then I teach a worldwide course, as I mentioned earlier. So those are all examples of what I teach. And the reason I do it is not only do I like it, but I learn from the students. I learn about subjects I care about by teaching them because that's what happens in the case method is the professor is also learning. You never know what the students are going to say. And that's really, uh, that's really exciting. It makes it uh, not only more challenging to teach, but more interesting. Can you talk a little bit? I've heard some students talk about some really meaningful interactions they've had with you about managing their energy. How do you manage your energy level with all that you've accomplished at Darden? And can you tell um, the audience a little bit about your life outside of Darden? I know yeah. you're an accomplished tennis player, for example, um, but would love to have you let the audience know a little bit about your um, passions and interests outside of Darden and how you manage your energy and those pearls of wisdom that you impart to our students. Well, you know, uh, being a leader of a top institution or being a senior executive, like all of you will eventually one day become, uh, does require energy. And it's one of the frameworks I look at in my maximizing leadership potential framework. You know, you can only expend as much energy as you have. So you have to think about energy management as something about what gives you energy and also what takes it away. And there's many layers to that. There's physical, emotional, uh, spiritual, and intellectual types of energy sources and drains. And you have to think about what's going to fill you with energy so that you have the energy to spend. And honestly, being a dean is a very challenging role. It's very, uh, it's, it takes a tremendous amount of energy. I'm blessed with a lot of energy, but some of the things I do for example, you have to take care of your body. Uh, so this morning I was working at 7 a.m. with my physical therapist on my own core strength and how to uh, stay strong. I play tennis uh, at least four hours a week. And in the summer, I play competitive tournaments at an international level um, when I have the time, but I budget that time. And then I, I basically try and set aside time for things that are important to give me energy. So for example, after COVID, um, I love music. I used to be in a rock group and I wanted to go see some concerts. So I, since, uh, since June, I saw six major rock concerts, which were just phenomenal. And that just filled me with an incredible amount of energy. Uh, but it's also little things like seeing people that you love, uh, being around my wife, Claire, um, our friends and our three boys, all of whom are in their 20, well, 26, 28, 30, about the same age as many of you, um, and spending time with them is a joy. And you've got to balance that with some of the obligations that you have to do. Sometimes you have to do things or deal with situations that really take a lot of energy away from you. And you've got to balance that all together. And if you're interested, I wrote a graduation speech on it. It's Just going to ask the, you about that. Uh, in French, it's called the Equilibriste. It's a tightrope walker. It's about finding balance in life. And you can see it up on YouTube. Yeah, it was a great speech. Um, shifting gears, there's a question from Harshida. Thanks for your question about Darden being located in one of the best locations. For people who may not be familiar with Charlottesville, can you tell the audience a little bit about Charlottesville and some of the elements of Charlottesville that you most like to take advantage of? Yeah. Well, I think our location is truly a blessing and an asset. And honestly, before I came 
uh, here. I had never been to Charlottesville. I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. I was born in rural Maine, as I mentioned, and then I lived 24 years in Europe and worked all over the world. But the way to think about where we are is basically we are near Washington, D.C., so we're about a two-hour drive from Washington, D.C., um, and we're in Virginia, which surrounds the nation's capital, and we're in a town of about uh, 240,000 people uh, with the University of Virginia in the core of it. So the UVA has about 40,000 students, faculty, and staff of very high quality, very high, one of the best public universities, if not the best public university in the nation, and Darden ranked number one public MBA program in the nation. But really Charlottesville, I like to think of it as the Tuscany of the East Coast of the United States. We're surrounded by vineyards, the Shenandoah Valley National Park. The weather is very uh, pleasant. We're located, if you were in Europe, you'd be in, around Gibraltar. So the, the, the weather this time of year is lovely. We get a little bit of snow, we get four seasons. But more importantly, it's a very international uh, town or city, if you want to call it small size city, um, with very close access. We also have our campus in Washington, D.C., which is very relevant, one of the most relevant cities in the world. So we have kind of the best of both worlds, a great place to live in a residential experience, uh, all the sports you can ever dream of playing and activities. UVA has them in spades. You want to learn how to ride horseback. You want to play on the polo team. You want to swim in the Olympic swimming pool. You want to play 18 holes of golf. You want to be in the best squash facility. We have 50 tennis courts, indoor, outdoor, anything that you can think of. The facilities here are just unbelievable for pursuing whatever passion. If you like to run, if you like to go in the trails, if you like to go to microbreweries, you don't like to drink, fine. You can go hiking, whatever you want to do. You're so blessed here in a safe community. That's very beautiful. And the food, my wife is a daughter of a French cooking professor. And our standard after living in Belgium for 24 years, very high. Yeah. <laughs> um, the food scene here is absolutely incredible. Uh, so many good restaurants. Everybody's always having arguments over, well, what's your favorite restaurant? Oh, I didn't know that one. Oh, no, this one's better. So there's lots of choices, also very global choices of food. And if you want even bigger choices of food or culture, then you just go to Richmond, which is an hour away. That's another million plus people. Or you go to Washington, D.C., which has everything. It's one of the most international cities in the world. So I think we're very blessed uh, with having the best of both worlds. And our students also uh, go on and work all over the world and all over the country. So don't think of University of Virginia as just serving Virginia. Our students are going all over the country to all the big cities uh, and also going to foreign countries. So we are really a global university and a global business program that happens to be located in Virginia at a public university. And to underscore Scott's point about the food scene, Rand McNally did rate Charlottesville the number one foodie town in the country, which I love and uh, take advantage of quite frequently. Yes. <laughs> um, we have quite a few questions coming in about our career center, career support. Mm -hmm. um, wow, they had just um, keep getting phenomenal outcomes. I was wondering if you could give the audience some highlights of the career center and um, what they have to offer Darden yeah. students. So listen, the first thing I want you all to know is that I know and our team knows that you getting a great career is top of mind for you. It's very clear that getting a career is one of the major objectives. Uh, and we have invested 
in what I think to be one of the absolutely best career development uh, centers that you'll ever find anywhere. And the reason I think that is for several reasons. Uh, one is that their outcomes speak for themselves. We have incredibly high salaries. We have incredibly high placement rates that are right among the very best of any school. Uh, in certain areas, uh, we, we thrive. General management school, we've been number one. In consulting, we have been number one the last couple of years in the country among all schools. Uh, but we serve, we don't push students to go in any one direction. We want to understand what makes you a tick, what your purpose is. We want to interact with you to find out what is it that you might want to achieve, help you explore different options. A lot of people say they know what they want to do because everyone's asking you a thousand times, what do you want to do after Darden? What do you want to do after business school? And it's very annoying when people do that all the time. I think you, a lot of you would agree. It's very annoying. And my answer is, you're here to figure that out. And it's okay to say, I don't know. If you want to get people to be quiet and get off your back, just tell them I'm doing, I'm doing consulting or I'm doing tech or I'm doing banking. And then just they'll stop asking you questions. But really behind that, you can say, I actually want to explore a lot of different things. And we take an individualized approach. We also have experts that work in the career center that have actually worked in those industries and done those types of jobs. And we connect with not only the employers directly and we get Almost all of the top firms that you would want to recruit with are here. There may be some exceptions on a global basis, but top drawer firms across the board. And we also connect with our alumni network. And there's a lot of people that also want to recruit what we call off-grounds recruiting. So bespoke, I want to do uh, angel investing in Sacramento, California. Okay, we'll do our best to use technology, mine the alumni network at at Darden, but also at University of Virginia, which is about 240,000 people, or to use technology, advanced LinkedIn searches, advanced engine searches to help you find the opportunities that you want, but more to help you engage in a dialogue about what it is that you might be looking for in a job. And our students getting incredible career outcomes and go on to be very successful. It's not just about what you do right after Darden, it's about what do you do after that and after that? What, you know, what is step two, three, and four? And we know that the reason employers like to come here is that our students are hardworking, they have a good value system, they're super smart, and they know how to work on teams. Uh, and so that is just a great formula for being successful in business. Thanks so much, Scott. We just had a board of visitors meeting at Darden and you yeah. gave a really thorough overview of the state of the school and many new initiatives. Can you tell the audience a little bit about some of the things that are on the horizon that you're most excited about? There's a lot of things I'm excited about. I'm, a, I'm an optimist and I, I see a lot of positive, actual real change and, and real positive momentum. One thing I'm very excited about uh, is the new master plan that we have at Darden. We're finishing a brand new hotel, conference center, botanical garden, and arboretum, as well as an alumni hall. It's a major project of about $150 million that will be finished and operated by the Kimpton Group of Intercontinental Hotel Group, uh, opening in April, so all of you would be able to benefit from that. I'm really excited about the new faculty that we've hired, uh, incredible group, very international, highly accomplished, a lot of energy. I'm very excited about the 
scholarship opportunities. I know there's been a number of questions about scholarships. Um, let me just say that we've raised a tremendous amount of money for scholarships. Not everybody gets a scholarship. I'll be I'll be honest, uh, and maybe that's appropriate. Not everybody can get one, uh, but we have a lot of scholarships for different uh, things, and you should look at uh, what the different offerings are, whether it's a Batten Scholar for Innovation, Technology, and Entrepreneurship to scholars for certain regions of the world like Indonesia uh, or Europeans uh, or just general merit scholarships like the Jefferson Scholar Program or the Oculus Scholar Program at Darden or the Breakthrough Scholar Program. We have lots of different scholarships. You should look them up on our website and compete for those. Um, and so we have a lot of uh, great support for students. We also guarantee for anybody who doesn't have the money, international students, we also guarantee loans we sign as a signatory. So everybody can be sure that they can afford, whether it's through loans or through scholarships or their own means to come to school. So we make sure that everybody uh, has a chance to make it through. Um, and so all of those are great opportunities to compete for. And, you know, it's a great process and you get to meet a lot of good people through that. Thanks. Um, a question from the audience that came in in advance. Finish this sentence. Don't come to business school until you fill in the blank. I would say until you're ready to learn and to be your best self. If you don't want to learn and you don't want to improve yourself, you don't want to come to Darden. Uh, but if you do want to learn and you want to learn from the best professors and you want to become the best version of yourself and to take yourself to new heights, and basically jump on a, the big trampoline that is Darden to jump to new heights for yourself. Uh, that is That means you're ready. Uh, and if you're ready to contribute and to be a good colleague and to meet new people and to step outside your comfort zone, uh, that's a great time. That means you're ready to go to school uh, at Darden where, you, where we really view what we do as transformative. People who don't wanna transform themselves Maybe they just want to go and just collect a piece of paper. Honestly, I would say maybe there's some other schools that are a better fit. If you don't, if you don't want to learn and you don't want to contribute as yeah. a colleague, you might not be happy here. But for those that really want to get to know their classmates, have a good time, uh, learn a lot, but outside of the classroom also have an incredible time. This is a work hard, play hard, have a lot of fun, make friends for life, meet a lot of alumni, get a great career outcome and become part of a very thriving alumni community. That's a great reason to want to come here and to do it in one of the nicest places to live in the United States of America. National Geographic rated where we live as the second happiest city in the United States. Don already mentioned, you know, it's been rated the number one uh, city for vineyards. It's been one of the best foodie cities. There, It's just a great place to live. Honestly, it's the nicest place I've ever lived. And I've lived and worked all over the world. The Virginia Film Festival starts tonight and is hosted by the University of Virginia. That's one of my favorite yeah. annual events. And I'm going to about eight movies in the next <laughs> five days. So I'm going to be busy in the evenings and the weekends. I'm looking forward um, to that as well. Um, we have some advanced questions and current questions about DE&I. You've built a really impressive team at Darden um, that helps guide you with the DEI strategy. Can you talk about that team and also maybe some of the initiatives that are underway? Yeah. Well, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion and bringing a community of people from all kinds of different backgrounds together 
is really important because that um, creates an example of a global village. You learn from each other. You learn by meeting people that have different backgrounds than your own and bringing them all together and uniting them through values and purpose. Um, you know, the way I think about diversity and, you know, that's a word that means different things to different people, honestly. Uh, I even teach a class on it. Um, but the way I think about diversity, it's all the diversity that exists in the world. And when I came here, you know, I said, I want to give people from no matter what their background, whatever walk of life, whatever obstacle they've overcome, you know, there's room for you here at Darda on all the different dimensions you can think, uh, whether it's your career background, whether it's your country of origin, your gender, your sexual orientation, your race, your ethnicity, uh, you name it, lots of different variations. Um, you know, I, I nominated a senior associate dean and global chief diversity officer when I came to Darden. Uh, we didn't have that before. Uh, we built out an entire team uh, there to look at uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, working with the student groups uh, in the admissions department as well. We've added uh, that angle. And again, it has that broad range. Also political orientation. Can people speak up from different backgrounds, from different political persuasions, from different job experiences, from different ethnicities, from different nationalities, bringing that all together and making people feel that they belong and that they can make sense out of it. You know, it's, it's something that is required to be a responsible leader in the future because any of you, when you would go on to become a CEO or a top executive in a large corporation, that's important to be successful there mm -hmm. too. Uh, so it's part of enlightened self-interest to be a great institution is you need to be able to unite people from different backgrounds together uh, and bring them in a productive way forward to, to solve great problems. Um, and at Darden, we've made great strides on that. Of course, there's always work to do. We do have work to do. I'm not declaring that we're the best or I'm the best. I'm not saying that. Uh, but I can say that we genuinely place a high priority on it. And we want people from all walks of life uh, to come here, whether you're from a poor family or a first generation family or from a given ethnicity or race or a country or a religion, all of the above gender, you name it. We want people with different interesting backgrounds to come together and you put a class together in each of the formats that we have that have different backgrounds. You know, you're, maybe you're military or maybe you have this special uh, background or you have a disability, whatever. Uh, everybody has something to contribute. And we allow people to into Darden on the basis of can you make a positive contribution and bring something to the community that adds something positive while meeting the academic rigor and standards. Yes, we value that you need to be a great student. No doubt about that. Uh, but we're not just looking for what I call a brain on a stick. Somebody's just got a high test score and maybe is a jerk. We, we want nice people too that have all kinds of backgrounds. One of my proudest moments as a member of the Dean staff in the last year was the amount of time that we spent as a team looking at the annual survey that's done on inclusion. Mm. Can you tell the audience a little bit about why that survey is important for you, um, how much it tells us about opportunities at Darden. Um, I, I thought I was just blown away by how much time the leadership team spent studying the inclusion survey and the commitment to making Darden even more inclusive than it already is. Well, you know, I think surveys provide interesting, you should always ask yourself how 
you can improve, but also ask people, how are we doing? Uh, what's working? What could we do better on? And things about inclusion, you, you realize that feeling included is a very personal thing. So what makes one person feel included maybe make another person feel that they're not as included. Um, and so understanding the points of view of all the different kinds of uh, backgrounds that we have at Darden, we ask faculty and staff about inclusion as well. How do you feel? What do you suggest? It's always a work in process that evolves as society evolves and as different events happen in the world that we need to adjust to. Um, so I, I learn every year and so does the team about like the pulse check, like how are we doing? What suggestions would make you feel more included? Or what are the things that make you feel really included now? Um, and that's always a asymptote. You're trying to make everybody feel like they belong. Uh, and on any given day, I think you can all agree in your own private lives, some days you feel better about that in your current context than you do about other days. So we're looking for what can we, what can we learn overall about making an inclusive and diverse community where everybody can thrive and feel like they belong, recognizing that people come from different backgrounds and have different, different priorities. I, I saw a question like, can you really be yourself and be authentic? on uh, the class in, at Darden. My answer to that is, I think you can. Um, and that's a personal thing. Uh, of course, on delicate issues, people are uh, careful about how they say certain things, even whether you're at Darden or not. Um, maybe where you are right now, certain topics are complicated to talk about. But I do think Darden is a place where the classroom is a safe learning environment. I do believe that people can raise different points of view. I know they can. In fact, I believe the Socratic method of dialogue, the way we teach at Darden, is one of the best ways to learn how to have complicated conversations. And complicated, controversial conversations in society are not going away. They're just not. And large corporations or any organization that deals with lots of stakeholders are going to have people that have differing point of views on a given topic. So learning how to have those conversations, which the Socratic method of asking questions is a good one, is a great skill to learn and to thrive in our complicated world. So I, yes, I do think you can be authentic. And I think Darden's a place that assumes positive intent with people. And then through the questions, through the sharing that comes with it, um, people come to some kind of common understanding or you may agree to disagree, but at least you do it in a civil way. I saw a really powerful example of this yesterday in the workplace. Actually, there were, um, were a group of faculty members interviewing a candidate for a scholarship at Darden, and the scholarship nominee asked the question of all of us to give an example of the Darden um, community. And this particular faculty member told a really heart-wrenching story about how he was hired at Darden, and right after he was hired, his um, wife unexpectedly passed away. And there was this whole community of people at Darden who came and visited him in the hospital and brought him meals and just really supported this new kind of stranger to, yeah. to the community. And he wrote to me in the chat, he goes, I hope that wasn't inappropriate. And I thought it was such an authentic, heartfelt response that um, is just such a great reminder of the power of the community um, when, when we all need it. There's a question from Emisha 
And it says, Poets and Quants talks about a breakthrough scholars program that Darden has initiated. Could you shed some more light about the uh, that particular program and the scholarship? Yeah, that's a, that's a new scholarship program, and I would encourage you all to look online. But, um, you know, we listen to a lot of corporations and, you know, ask, ask a lot of them in financial services or tech, you know, what, what do you need? And a lot of them said, well, we need, uh, we need more diversity. We need people from different backgrounds to come into our ranks. And so we uh, set up that program to try and help corporate corporations uh, solve that problem by having outstanding uh, leaders um, come through Darden uh, and go and go into those industries. So that um, really, it's about excellence is what it is um, and about creating pathways for, for different people to achieve their full potential and to um, improve the type of uh, diversity and excellence that, you know, corporations in the investing space in particular, but also technology um, have said that they, they want some help with. So that, that was what was behind it. I would just say in general, our scholarship programs are all designed to help, help people uh, make education affordable and accessible and different scholarships have different angles. Sometimes they have a geographic intention behind it. Sometimes the donor uh, wants it to be uh, for a first-generation scholar or something like that. Or sometimes it's just support for need-based aid. So it's focused, like Access Darden is focused on those who have demonstrated need. So there's lots of different scholarship programs with different um, uh, focus areas. And I would encourage you all to look at, at each of them because they're all well-intended to try and help. Uh, each of you uh, find your way. Uh, another initiative I'd love for you to tell the audience about is the Women at Darden 2.0 initiative. Yeah. Could you tell everyone a little bit about um, what prompted that and some of the outcomes of that initiative? Yeah. Well, the way I look at it is about half the people in the world are women. So uh, business has to do its, fair, its, its part to attract, develop, and retain the top talent. If you even look at the United States, which I know is not the same as every other country, uh, but for example, in the U.S., almost 60% of diploma, college diploma recipients in this country are women now and just over 40% men. Um, so it's in business's best interest to attract, develop, and retain the best women talent. By the way, it's in our own interest to do the same for men too. So it's not about one or the other. A lot of people want to frame things one or the other. It's and. Um, but when I when I joined Darden, uh, I was able to participate on President Obama's uh, task force on women in business at the uh, at the White House. And the, the question was framed like, how do we get more women to go into business? And I think it's a really good question because not enough women are going into business. Majority of people going into the legal profession, women in this country, medicine, same, um, teachers, same, uh, nurses, same, but not into business. So business has to do its part to, to become a better place to attract, develop and retain and place women into business. And Darden's very committed to that because that's also where the talent is. Uh, if 60% of the diploma recipients are women, we should be getting our fair share all of, all of business schools, not just Darden, should be getting their fair share. And, and yet, historically, the reality is that we've had nowhere near, not just at Darden, at all top business schools, nowhere near half of the applicant pool uh, 
are balanced uh, for women. It's it's a it's a disproportionate applicant pool, and every school that that favors more men ap- apply than women. That's not because we don't want it. So what we've done is we've created a Women 2.0 initiative at Darden, thought leadership, how can women be successful business? I can think of no better place for a woman to be successful than at a school like Darden where you learn to lean in, you learn to uh, to speak in front of other, other crowds, to be your best self, to learn from the best professors. All the reasons I said before are equally true, if not more, for women. Uh, and I think Darden has had great success. We have an example of a woman that went through Darden is Carolyn Miles. Uh, she was voted one of the t- top 30 most influential women in the world. She used to be CEO of Save the Children, uh, did amazing work. And after stepping down from Save the Children after a very successful tenure there, she's now teaching at Darden and leading our Women our women 2.0 initiative at Darden. We just had a very successful conference uh, in Washington, D.C. on that subject with lots of senior uh, leaders, senior women leaders talking about women in business. I'd encourage you to all look at some of the footage online. Very interesting. Uh, it's a great priority, but um, more to do uh, in America and around the world on getting more women in business. One of the themes for the Women's Symposium in Roslyn was a great reinvention. We heard from the CEO of Garnet Hill, who is a Darden grad. Um, great sessions on the extent to which um, all candidates have the opportunity in your generation, you're expected to change career paths multiple times, more so than any other uh, previous generation. So it was a great symposium and, and great to hear some Darden prominent leaders talk about how they have reinvented themselves in their careers and all the pearls of wisdom. Well, Scott, thank you so much for sharing your um time with us and to all the students who are in the process of applying to Darden. If I can be a resource in the coming weeks and months, my name again is Donna Clark. My email is clarkd at darden.virginia.edu. Um, Scott, do you want to share your email? Yeah, my, uh, my email is beardsleys at darden.virginia.edu. Um, you know, I'm not reading the applications myself, but of course, I'm here to answer questions. I want you to all feel like uh, you have access to uh, to the dean. I have town halls with students. I have many. I teach, as I mentioned. I have many different ways of interacting with students, and that's how that's how I learn. And we try and uh, accommodate. I, I'm very familiar. I also have uh, two of our own sons uh, are at Darden right now, so I have an earful about things that are going well, and also that. That we can improve. The other thing I would like each of you to be aware of is Darden has many dual degree programs as well. I know uh, that many of you have something really specific you're hoping to get out of it. When you talk to every student, it's rare that everybody is exactly the same thing that they want to get out of school. We also have about 10 dual degree programs with other parts of University of Virginia, the data science school, uh, the law school, the medical school, uh, the architecture school, on the built environment, on urban urban planning, uh, also public policy, and so on. So, if any of you are interested in education as well, if you, if you have alternate interests, please know that there's also dual degree programs. Many of them. Good point. Uh, to to tailor your interests, you also are able to take some of your credits. Let's say at least four classes, sometimes many more, 
across grounds at any of the other schools, if that's of interest to you. So there's flexibility to take classes at other parts of the University of Virginia, which is a great university, one of the best in the world, and a, a broad university with lots of, uh, lots of interesting courses. Um, the other thing I would just like to encourage each of you to do, because when you look at websites, you can't, you can't really tell what, what's going on just from a website. I remember when I came here in person for the first time, uh, I called my wife and I said, wow, uh, this is not what I thought. Because all campuses online look great. They all have flowering cherry trees, they have smiling students, et cetera. It's really hard to tell. When you come here, what you see is, first of all, one of the most beautiful campuses in the world. We also have a UNESCO World Heritage Site. You're in a historical place um, that was built by Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe. So you have a very historical place. Um, but very beautiful uh, grounds, outdoor spaces, architecture is about almost 1,500 acres of land, lots of activities for you to see. That's quite different than a lot of city, uh, city campuses. They just don't have the spaces or the facilities. Um, and I would encourage you all to visit if you can, or certainly to talk to people that have, have been able to be in person on the ground. It's not, it's not always what you think sometimes you get someplace you're like, oh, that's not as good as I thought it was going to be. And other places you go and you go, wow, that's much better than I thought. Right. And I think Charlottesville and the DC area where, where we have our campus are truly spectacular. And I think, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to not like it. That's true. And we are open. We have some upcoming open houses you can register for and class visits and really look forward to seeing you on grounds or on the road. And again, um, and Dean. One more, and one more thing. Sorry. Oh, sure. <laughs> Sorry. I, just things are coming into my mind. I also want uh, each of the international students to know uh, that Darden has a STEM certified MBA mm. program. And what that means is that if you come to Darden and you just complete a certain set of course sequence, you get uh, a STEM certification, which means that you get a three-year visa to work in the United States called OPT. And that's very important because a lot of corporations uh, will give a visa, will give op career opportunities and do give career opportunities for three years of visa. It used to be 10 years ago that you only got a one-year visa. And that was much more complicated. But now we have STEM certification that's been authorized for several years and our international students get just as high quality jobs as the domestic U.S. Uh, green card holders and citizens. But I just wanted that little detail to also be clear, because I know as somebody who had to go and work in a foreign country and go through all the visa stuff myself, going to Europe, um, or my wife is not American and she had to come this direction and apply for visas. I know how all that process works. I'll just say that it works very well here. Yeah, good point. Thank you for making that one. And thanks again, everyone. Good luck with your applications. If I can be a resource, please reach out. And thank you so much, Scott, for the webinar today and for all that you do for Darden. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Please come visit and congratulations on where you are in life. And I hope to see you at Darden. Take care. And that was a recent conversation between Senior Assistant Dean of Admissions, Donna Clark, and Dean of the Darden School of Business, Scott Beardsley. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N-E-N
D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.